This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning on this gloomy-looking Saturday morning, huh? No, there's some weather coming. Uh-huh. Well, you know, of course, that voice belongs to Charlie Dobbin, our uh, expert here uh, in the garden. And um, Your my voice, voice of belongs course, to me. The uh, sous chef <laughs> of the garden. <laughs> yeah, Frank Proctor. Nice to, nice to be in and sharing the studio with Charlie. And nice to hear from an old friend over there in Belgium. Peter Hume sends a nice little note. Uh, hi, Charlie and Frank. Love listening to your podcast. Over here in Belgium, most everyone had a great vegetable-growing year. Yeah, nice. And then he says, I heard from another gardener about a new blight-resistant tomato called Crimson Crush from uh, Sutton's in the U.K., so I ordered Sutton a pack. Seeds, yeah. mm-hmm. So th- I've heard that, too, uh, Crimson Crush. Have you? Have, uh, I-, I thought I had. I thought you had mentioned it. No? I don't think so. Ye gods, I'm learning stuff without <laughs> Charlie. You're super well-connected. <laughs> anyway, we'll Being talk the more. tomato grower that you are. Talk more about that in a little bit. But it's always um, nice to hear from, yeah. from our listeners and friends and fans. And so big hello to everybody. And big, you know, this morning, I just, it is below freezing as we get north up into Ontario, but uh-huh. it's still pretty mild down here. We're yeah. in the, the teens for the next 24 hours anyway. <laughs> but you were just mentioning, uh, just before we went on air, that the yeah. weather forecast indicates tomorrow going to get very strong winds mm-hmm. here in southern mm-hmm. Ontario. And heavy rain overnight. Yeah. So. Oh, just what we need. Well, I know, but it's, you know, it's always good to have rain in the fall. I mean, is it really? The plant, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want the, the soil to be oh, yeah, well saturated before freeze up. The, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, particularly the evergreens, right? And many right. people go out there and water their evergreens in November like they're supposed to. Right. <laughs> I'd better do my job. You better. Which, yeah, is giving the phone numbers, okay? A big important job here. All righty. Uh, in Toronto area, please call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Uh, our mantra is, uh, if you please observe this one, call early, call often, uh, one question per call. And if you're a first-time caller, let Sebastian know when you call in. And when you get to the airwaves, ooh, you're going to hear that little bell. That you're, get your garden wings. Mm-hmm. Okay? Good. I see we get folks calling in already. Do you have a little note or two you want to pass on? Of course. On? I always have yeah, of course. You know, what's going on stuff. Yeah. Updates. Um, okay. So I'll just cut to the chase here. This Sunday, as in tomorrow, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society will be meeting, and they have a members' plant sale featuring Paul Zamet of Toronto Botanical Garden. He'll be speaking at the meeting. So that's tomorrow between 12.30 and 4 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Garden, which, of course, is Leslie at Lawrence Avenue. Plant sale begins at 12.30. Speaker Paul begins at 1.30. That is definitely worth going to if you're able to. And Paul, bless him, um, assuming there is no strike at, at the co- amongst mm-hmm. the college faculty of 
one of which I am. Uh, Paul is coming as a guest speaker to speak to my my horticultural principles class this Wednesday. Uh, again, assuming that there is a class and that there's not a strike that yeah. is, mm-hmm. might start tomorrow night at midnight or one minute after. Um, meanwhile, if I'm not teaching, I'm going to be busy doing other things. This Tuesday, I'm speaking at the East Gwillimbury Horticultural Society meeting, which is at the Mount Albert Community Center, 53 Main Street in Mount Albert at 730 Designing with Trees is my subject. And the following evening, Wednesday, October 18th, I'll be speaking at the Creemore Hort Society. Creemore Anglican Church, 22 Caroline Street at 7.30 p.m. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is my topic that night. Well, there you are. You know me. Just never a dull moment. <laughs> I don't For know sure. when I find time to sleep. But anyway. <laughs> All right. A little bleary-eyed, but yeah. she's okay. We're, we're ready to rock and roll here in the garden in moments, so we'll take a little bit of a breather so Charlie can compose herself. Mm, thank you. Yes, that's quite all right. And we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where all this is coming from. <laughs> we'll be back in just moments here on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie. We're off and running here by uh, taking a little trip out to the east mm-hmm. a little bit. Bowmanville, that's where Rebecca is calling in from. Good morning, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Hi there. How are you? Good. Hi, Rebecca. I was listening last week, and it was so close to the end of your show. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was a nice day, so I had all the windows open. <laughs> Uh, and a big truck went by just as that fellow was giving his recipe for um, something you spray on hostas to kill, to keep oh, the slugs away. Yeah, I wrote that Right, down. that was um, Peter calling from uh, Southampton. His one part res- ammonia? Yeah, his ammonia? recipe was, yeah, you got it there? Yeah, one part ammonia and ten parts water. Okay, I got yeah. the ten parts water, but I never heard what the other ingredient was. Ammonia. So ammonia. Yeah, bleach. Yeah. Just straight bleach. So one to ten, bleach to water, in a in a spritzer bottle, and you spritz. Actually, not a bad idea. Even this fall, spritz the soil where your hostas, once they've died back or you've cut them back, spritz that, that solution onto the soil because that's where the slugs and snails spend the winter is in the soil, mm-hmm. typically around the hostas. Uh, and so putting some of that soil level might annihilate some of them. I just can't believe the size of them this year. I know. They're, they're as big everywhere. as my thumb. They're everywhere, too. Holy I can't believe crow. how many of them are. Yeah. I'm, like, tripping over snails when I step out oh, my yeah. door. Yeah. They're just crunch, 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 crunch. They're everywhere. It's been a very um, good so, year for No, them. the thing that I can't figure out is, um, uh, so now is now I could do it. Well, Although, yeah, my hostas look like Swiss cheese, right. and it's Don't so wor- close to the end. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about my leaves on my hostas now yeah. because we're done. The season's done. You could cut them back. You can remove all those leaves into the composter, and like I said, use that solution at soil level, spritzed onto the soil in the fall. In the spring, same thing. Before the hostas emerge, you can spray the soil because, again, the slugs and snails are going to be hatching mm-hmm. out of their eggs in Wait. the spring and then as the leaves start to emerge every two to three weeks you give a spritz onto okay. the leaves. So that's ammonia, that's just straight ammonia yep. and, and water. One one part ammonia, ten parts water. That's it. Thank you very much. Okay, You're very Rebecca. welcome. Well, and thank you to Peter who gave us that tip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, that, see those things pay mm-hmm. off. My gosh. Alrighty. Let's, oh, my bell ringing arm's oh, going to get a little workout here. There you here. go. 
Hey, that's for Lorraine right here in Toronto. First time caller, Lorraine. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Welcome Great. to the show. Hi, thank you. Hi, Charlie. Um, what I wanted to ask is I have um, house plants together in a little table, and I notice these little white fluffy things on my mm. jades. Mm. Oh, too bad. And now one of my orchids has lost all the leaves. Is it possible it's attacked the orchid? And also, how do I get rid of that? Yes, it's very possible that it could be on any of your plants if they're all clustered together yeah, in one area. I got a spider plant in from outside, and I didn't spray mm. it or anything. I just put it in. I didn't see any bugs on it. And I doubt it. Come on, my Okay, so if, if you're seeing little white and they look like little, almost like puffs of cotton ball. Cotton ball, yeah. Yeah, the actual insect, because there is an insect in there under that white mm-hmm. waxy coating. The insect is called a mealy bug, so M-E-A-L-Y yeah, bugs, bug. Yes, yeah, so that's what you've got going on. And yes, they can certainly devastate the plants and eventually kill the plants. That's what they'll yes. do. So the first thing I would do is I would look very, very closely at each of the plants. Um, mm-hmm. If if you see evidence of mealybug, you can you know, pick them off, scrape them off. Mm-hmm. You can use a Q-tip dipped in rubbing alcohol and individually, uh-huh. you know, if, yeah. if it's not too many, go around and, and touch the little mealybugs with the alcohol, which will, do it will ultimately them. kill yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if, if it's just too much, like if the, the plant, like you said, your orchid has lost all its leaves. If all you've got yeah. left there is a all little bit flowers. of... Well, the flowers come and go, but if, does it still have leaves? Uh, it has big leaves at the bottom and two big stems oh. and no flowers. Yeah, okay. So the, the stems were the flowering stems. <clears throat> as long yeah. as they're green, we usually leave them alone until they turn brown. And the green leaves, I mean, it's, it's a little tricky with the orchids to kill mealybug because there's so many cracks and crannies down low, un, you know, mm-hmm. under the leaves. And to get really into all the little uh, crevices, it's that's where the mealybugs hang out and hide. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, my mom ended up, she has a very nice window ledge. We had collected all kinds of really nice plants uh, over yeah. the last year or so. And mealybug came in on one of the plants. And three months later, all the plants were covered in mealybug. And I just went through and I just threw them all in the garbage. Yeah, and I, I just discovered them yesterday. Yeah. And there's only a couple that haven't, but the one orchid has... And I think the stem is turning kind of brown, so does that mean it's dead? Well, the, the flowering stem, if it's turning brown, they do die, or they'll send out more flowers. One or the other okay. will happen. But the plant is not dead as long as you've got green leaves. Yeah, the nice tr- big green leaves. <clears throat> the trick, of course, like, is to go through and look closely for the insect, isolate plants. Uh, if, they, if you do find a few that you're going to try and treat, isolate those from others that appear to be clean, and yes. set up a little quarantine situation if you can. Ultimately, it, it is a tricky one to kill, particularly depending on the plant that the mealybug is on. Yeah, they're on jade. and um, Jade's not too bad. You should be able to, to wipe out the mealybug on the jade. Is there a spray you can buy an insecticide spray that well, kills them? Or? There is something out there. It's called 3-in-1 is, okay. is the name on the spritzer bottle. It's, you know, Home Depot kind of garden okay. center, any of those places. It, I believe, if you look at the instructions, will say that it is, uh, it will kill all life cycles of things like mealybug and aphids and white fly and those kinds of insects. So, But you would spray that in your bathroom, like you put the plants in the bathtub and you know, follow the instructions. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I love your show. I listen to you too all the time. It's the first time I've ever been able to oh, call. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Be pleased to welcome you anytime. You don't yes, be a stranger. Indeed. Come okay. on back anytime. Now, as we say goodbye to Lorraine, that frees up a line. In fact, we have a couple of lines open. Mm-hmm. Be a great time to call in if you've had trouble getting through because of you know a lot of calls, whatever. Mm-hmm. Great time right now in Toronto. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty. Anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six. 740-4740 and you of course are catching us here on Zoomer Radio AM 740 and downtown Toronto 96.7 FM crystal clear don't you know mm. and we're going to be uh, right back to talk to Paul in Toronto after these words don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie, I'd like to introduce you to Paul, who ah. maybe is just around the corner here in Toronto. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for accepting my call. Good now, morning. Um, I called about uh, last year about the milkweed and uh, monarch butterfly. Mm-hmm. But this time I'm calling, I've just moved into uh, an apartment around Eglinton, and I have a lot of light. I have three windows. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like to force some tulips and apparently oh, okay. I can buy the bulbs now, mm-hmm. yes. put them in a paper bag, and nope. throw them in the fridge, or oh, well, place no. them in the fridge? No, you have to do more than just put them in a paper bag. What you have to do is pot them up, uh, so a nice clean pot, some nice fresh potting soil, moisten the potting soil, uh, fill the pot with the tulip bulbs. So and then you, put that in the fridge? Bag it, dark-colored bag, plastic okay. bag, and then that goes in the fridge. But not all tulips force the same. The best tulips for forcing tend to be the shorter ones, like the really tall ones all fall over. So if oh, you yeah. are out shopping for tulips to force, just look because they, they should say some tulips, quite a few um, suppliers sell tulips in a bag. might be a mixed group of tulips or whatever, but they'll often have right on it best for forcing or something like that. Do you all like get that. these for Christmas kind of? Uh, no. Well, let's see. You need to, they'll need to stay in the fridge for 10 to 12 weeks. So I think we're, we're, you won't get them for Christmas. You'll get them for January, though, if you do it today. Oh, perfect, perfect. Yeah. Now, my half question was, how do I get rid of fruit flies? I moved into this apartment and somebody left some bananas behind the fridge. Mm-hmm. And Ew. it's oh, loaded. Yikes. Anybody know out there how to get a a safe method that I'm killing them? Uh, Well, okay, so I I mean, I know that what people will do is they'll put out like a little dish with sugar water in it or some fruit, and that'll attract the fruit flies. But you better, you don't want to just put fruit out because then they'll breed off of that. Well, they're doing it now. Well, the other thing, I mean, once you've found the banana behind the fridge and you've got rid of that and you clean that all up, Eliminate all fruit entirely, and the fruit flies will die. They have nothing to live on. If you just put away, like if you're going to bring a banana into the house, eat it immediately. They they live on pop cans too. You know they. Well, they live. Well, they live where there's anything sugary. So you're right. You'd have to eliminate any any access to sugar solutions. Uh, for them, and then li- the population will die if you do that. But I know there are some um, 
fruit flies. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you on that because I know there's some good little tips for how to get rid of fruit flies on the web. Okay, Paul. You keep it tuned, and, and congratulations. Yeah. You befuddled me so much <laughs> with that half-question deal. I got <laughs> thinking about that. And, and before I knew it, you're into the second question. And I thought, oh, my God, the little rascal, golly, he's, yeah. he's bypassed yeah. the, the protective gate I had up. That's right. <laughs> you caught Patrolman yeah. Proctor. Uh, yeah, sleeping at the switch. Yeah, exactly. Golly, you know, our, our, little, our little rule of call early call off and one question per call but that's okay Paul. <laughs> have yourself a great day and thanks for calling the garden show as right. we uh oh get, get ready for another bell ringing episode here bell ringer yeah. it's a bell ringer yeah good morning linda linda and scarborough good morning. you have your wings <laughs> garden wings garden wings I any time of the wings, year really really yeah. um my daughter bought a house several years ago and uh, she had the house had been landscaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the backyard is just covered in great big thistles, and she can't get rid of them. Her biggest concern is she's got um, a birch tree, mm-hmm. and she's afraid of putting anything out there that will kill the birch tree. Mm. Uh, well, thistles are very hard to get rid of. They I've have heard that. they have I've roots heard that. that go. Gosh. Kilometers, of miles. yeah, yeah, they can they go really long ways. Um, so, is there anything? Well, short of digging them out. See, that's the thing. If you can annihilate the green part of a thistle, then it might try and grow back a bit off the root. But again, and, and I would say that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. There's been a, an effort made to dig some yep, out. Yeah, we have tried. We have tried. Mm. And but so they, they seem to be multiplying like. <laughs> And as soon as, well, that's right. And as soon as a little bit of tissue comes above ground, turns green, starts to photosynthesize, there you go. You're mm-hmm. back in business with a with a full-grown, rapidly expanding yeah. thistle, living off those roots that are below. Okay, so these thistles are in a garden. They're in the lawn. They're they're in just everything. they're in everything now. Hmm. hmm. Um. It's a, that's a tough one. So digging is one option. Solarization, but it would be impossible to do if it's all over the lawn and all over the garden because that's where you lay out dark um, yeah, yeah, tarpaulins. I thought of that, actually. Yeah, but of course that would kill everything below. So that would kill the garden and the lawn and everything else. It's not going to affect the birch as long as the birch continues to get water. I mean, that's the thing. You can't wrap the birch in tarpaulins and expect it to survive. So, you know, it's that kind of a trick that way. Um, I have effectively wiped out thistles in the past using uh, completely as concentrated as you can get Roundup. So no dilution. And you can buy concentrated Roundup at... Uh, you know, Canadian Tower, Home Depot, any good garden oh, okay. center, right. and do not dilute. Like it'll say on it, you know, concentrate, dilute, blah, blah, blah. Don't do that. You Don't use it, it full strength. Okay. And it will take more than one application because the, it, the Roundup will kill the green plant, but the root will survive and more growth will come. So it becomes a every seven days or every five days, whenever you see anything green and prickly coming up above ground, Roundup. There you go. So All right. Can we start now? You know what? Honestly, now would not be the optimal time because now we're getting late into the season. The plants are slowing down. They're quite established. Yeah, they the are. The best time to get them is early in the spring when they're soft and tender and young okay. and they're just emerging. So, you know, it's like put it on the calendar based on the weather and then just stay on it. Like it's just a matter of you have to keep annihilating anything green that's thistle-like and right. eventually the roots will die from lack mm-hmm. of so photosynthesizing. So going to take possibly years. Well, hopefully not. 
<laughs> Hopefully it'll go better than that. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good. that's good. Hopefully you can actually annihilate them all in one season, but it will take, you know... You have to be on top of it. Right, yeah. like every yeah. day going yeah. out and inspecting and spraying and, and you know, pouring on Roundup, I'm afraid right. to say. And stay away from the tree, obviously. Well, keep in mind that Roundup only kills green. So you oh, you could okay. spray the trunk of a birch tree and it doesn't matter. There's nothing green there. It's you don't want to get on the leaves of the birch tree. That's the yeah, main well, thing. Fortunately, the uh, the birch tree leaves are quite way, high. way up there. Yeah, yeah. So don't worry. Roundup is completely inert when it once it hits the ground and dries, it is inert. It does not cause any death to any plants. It's only when it's wet, when it touches green things, that it kills the green things. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, okay. Good luck. Let us know <laughs> yeah. how that goes. Keep, keep us apprised of what's going on there, okay? Yeah. That's interesting. That's a project, eh? Oh, man. Yeah, you bet. Well, let me see. Where are we heading here? Oh, uh, again, just around the corner, we. possibly. I like that we. I'm, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I love <laughs> it, including myself true. in the show. You know? Well, that's true. I, I mean, we are in this together. <laughs> so why don't you get this? You answer this one. <laughs> uh, oh, Cheryl, good morning and welcome to the morning. show. <laughs> good morning. Hi. Um, I have noticed in the past I've had little white... I think they're eggs on my African violets. I tossed the worst ones out, scrubbed the ones I wanted to keep with just water. Um, they're back, I've noticed, on one, and I don't want to lose this. Tell so me what they look like. Tiny little white oblong things, like like little miniature grains of rice. Mm. Hmm. White. And, and they stick to the, like, you got to yeah. sort of yes, get a little peel them off. to get them off. And have you ever have you ever seen what emerges from those eggs? No, but I've got little tiny gnats every now and again, but not a profusion of them. So I can't figure out what this is. Well, the gnats you're seeing could be fungus gnats, uh, but they do lay their eggs in the soil. And then when they hatch, they're little tiny, tiny larvae. I wonder if what you're thinking of as the eggs might be the larvae, though they typically stay in the soil. They don't climb up onto the plants. No, they're, they're all over the, the top of the leaves, oh, and wow. then they go down on the stem, I've noticed. I just looked underneath so that's really unusual because African violets, because of their furriness, mm. are not an attractive uh, plant to most insects just because it's way too much work to get through all that fur to get into the plant. Is there any uh, way, Cheryl, mm. you could take a picture and send it to Charlie by any sure. chance? Oh, that'd be great. Maybe that'd be helpful at least you know, to see what we're actually looking at yeah, here. Yeah, because see if it's eggs, <clears throat> there's no spray that kills eggs. It does yeah. become a, um, a, a scrape situation mm-hmm. because the eggs are dormant there's no um mm-hmm. breathing going on and that's when we spray with soap sprays for example yeah. it's got to be going to a breathing insect in order to to work if, if you could cheryl take a shot yeah, there if you and can, send it get to, up close on something like that i'll give you a charlie's email number here at the station okay, okay. Uh, it is c dobbin d-o-b-b-i-n at mzmedia.com and uh, we'd like to take a look at that picture for sure. Okay. Can I sneak a second question in, too? <laughs> you know, too, if, like I start, if I start that, that we're Paul, into real It's trouble. Paul's fault. But you know something? You can, you can call back, and I'm okay. almost guaranteeing you're early enough in the show that you're going to get back in. That would be fair game entirely, okay? All right. Thank All you. All right. Thanks so much, Cheryl, for understanding. Gee, sometimes being a cop I, is not fun at I all. Know. I know. I don't know how your son does it. You know, <laughs> out in Hamilton. Hey, there's Janet. Good morning, Janet. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Hi, Janet. Hi, good morning. Um, I've ended up with hundreds and hundreds of houseflies on a tree, on an evergreen, forgive me, I don't know the name. It's about four foot tall. 
and it has berries on it. It's very soft um, branches. Oh, it sounds like a U, yeah. Dark green? Has, yeah, it's green. Mm-hmm. Like hundreds. And when you shake the bush, mm-hmm. then they attach themselves to the side of the house. Like I'm looking at them right now. And they're swirling around this bush, and I've had it for about eight years, and that's never happened before. You know what? That's just a trick of what's going on right now today environmentally. Those insects are looking for a place. They know what's coming. They know that big wind is coming and rain and everything else, So, and they know winter's coming. So what they are doing is they're doing what ladybugs will do, um, box elder bugs will do. They are looking for little cracks and crannies in the side of the house or some places around that shrub, obviously, because evergreens provide quite a lot of shelter. So they're looking for a place to hunker down uh, to get through the winter. So, okay, so I, no, I could just kind of let them do their yeah, own thing. Let, then. Yeah, just be aware, like make sure that the window's closed there. Just double check there's no sort of easy access in, into the house in that area because right. they'll typically do that on the southern side of the house where it's warm and they're sort of keeping their energy high with a little bit of sunshine if it's out, but also looking for overwintering locations. So, and, and do, is yeah. it because of the funky weather that we've had like all over the summer and the fall? Because like I said, I've had it for eight years mm-hmm. and I don't ever remember seeing one fly on it. You know, it, it's, it is, um, but every fall is a little different. And also every population of insect is a little different because populations of insects go up and down based on food availability. So every year we have different insects looking for overwintering locations. And some years, like I said, box elder bugs are all over people's houses. Um, and ladybugs do the same thing sometimes. So, yeah, it's just, it's just that particular insect this year. Hmm. Okay, so All right. I just wanted to know if there's any, any problem, but there's not. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Thank Thanks for calling. Thank you. Uh, gee, we're going to go uh, west here quite a bit to mm-hmm. uh, London, Ontario. And there's mm-hmm. Malcolm on the line. Good morning, Malcolm. Hello, Malcolm. Good morning. Right. Whoops. I hear you there. Are you there? Okay, you know what? Let's let's put a hold on on Malcolm and see if he hangs tight. We will be back to him if he uh, answers next time around. Meantime, I think we're going to go to John in Oshawa. Good morning, John. Good morning. Morning. Yeah, uh, I have some uh, cow lilies. Mm-hmm. When's the best time to dig them up, and uh, how do I store them away for the winter? So, oh, ca- sorry, calla lilies. Yeah. Okay, or canna, or either one, I guess. Um, so. Best time to deal with any of the the um, tender bulbs, uh, which would include dahlias uh, and the cannas, the callas, the gladiolas, is wait until we've had a good hard frost. Once we've had a good frost, all that green foliage that's currently standing up will turn black and collapse. That's when you dig them up. Nice digging fork. Raise up all your below-ground tubers and rhizomes and bulbs and transport that mess onto newspaper or whatever onto a porch or the garage, somewhere where they can dry down a bit. Uh, Cut off all the foliage. Gently remove the soil after these bulbs have sat out for two or three days. So just brush off any of the big clods of mud or soil, and then they go into a frost-free location. Um, Typically, we store them dry, so it could be dry peat moss. Uh, It's just they need dark. That's where the peat moss keeps it, under peat moss, it's nice and dark and cool, and then they will stay dormant for the winter. So... So would I would I pack them in peat moss then? Yeah, I would. 
works well. Pack them in peat moss in a big Rubbermaid tub or something like that. But you need and keep them frost free, preferably refrigerator temperature or root cellar kind of temperature if you have one. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. You're All very right, welcome. John, thank Thanks you. for calling. And you are tuned to AM 740 Zoomer Radio, mm-hmm. 96.7 FM mm-hmm. in downtown Toronto. Frank, uh, along with Charlie, of course. Uh, well, I wouldn't be here if not for Charlie. Uh, we, we'll, uh, <laughs> and I take... couldn't be here if not for well, you. Well, exactly. I couldn't do this without you. <laughs> <laughs> and we are kibitzing earlier before going on air that it's your turn to buy breakfast at, breakfast at Grenadier Restaurant yeah, there in Park. And you asked me, you know, is it, is, what you know, was I in the mood for? And I yeah. said, well, since I'm paying, I'm just thinking, maybe toast and water. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, sport. Okay, we're going to be back to have a little word with uh, Julia in Mississauga in just a moment here on Zoomer Radio's Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And, Charlie, we're heading uh, to the Garden City, for heaven's sake, St. Catharines. There's Jenny. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Charlie, my potatoes... Hi, Charlie. My potatoes grew good. The only trouble is, in my pots, the the Mm -hmm. squirrel started stealing them. I went and got some pine cones and threw it around and kept the squirrels out. (laughs) Good idea. Number two, um, the uh, fruit flies... Mm -hmm. Tell them to get a little container, like a clear, like a juice jug or a water bottle. Cut it off, put some saran, put some vinegar in the bottom, put mm-hmm. some ramen on top, uh, and uh, secure it. And then poke some holes with a pen or a pencil. Mm-hmm. It tracks fruit flies like 90. Usually you get within a week, there'll be no fruit flies left. Okay. And for the thistle, what I did oh, years ago yeah. was cut them off at ground level. Right. With my uh, sharpener, a knife. Yeah. Stuck my knife in the root, poured some salt on them, never came back. Oh, wow. So right. You taught me that because you said, why leaf plants will not live in the boulevard because of the salt. Mm. So I thought, well, if salt works, I'm going to try it. So I cut it off. It was going between the sidewalk and the steps. Right. I couldn't get in there. Yeah. Cut it off, stuck it with a knife boat six times, yeah. poured salt. Bugger never, it was kept coming back for four years, and it never came back. Wow. Well, so that's yeah. true. Like, salt definitely, you know, large mm. quantities of salt will definitely kill plants. So, good idea, except... Anything in, with, uh, like, even the dandelions. I went mm. around and chopped all the dandelions at root level, yeah. and I just poured salt, poured salt, poured salt. My front yard had no dandelion. But did that your lawn... was another mess. How did your lawn grow after that? Not a problem. Oh, good. Well, there you go. And not just table problem, salt. I not thistles. I've killed so many thistles. <laughs> Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, plants. All right. All right. Well, I hope Linda in Scarborough is still listening for that uh, salt solution for the thistles, and I hope Paul is listening for your fruit fly solution too. So thank well, you. I left one time. Well, I did it all the time, but one day I strained some sauerkraut, and I left the, the mm. stuff in the jug and didn't in a, a cup. Yeah, I, I drained my sauerkraut, put on my sausages. And I looked, and next morning there were fruit fries everywhere in there, too, so. Yeah. For learning, it's yeah. funny. They are attracted to vinegars, yeah, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, mm. All right. Good solutions. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jenny. Nice to have you here with us on a Saturday morning. Uh, somebody's got to brighten up the day because yeah. it's pretty cloudy out there. Well, and I was going to say to Paul, who was who called with the fruit fly problem, the exact same thing that Jenny's just said, that, mm-hmm. you know, apple cider vinegar, some dish soap, a jar or small bowl, 
toss out any of your fruit that might be in the house. Um, put your cider vinegar into a jar, just like Jenny mm-hmm. said. A little bit of soap will also be a good idea because that keeps them from getting out. And just place the trap in the area where you've seen the fruit flies and wait for it to do its job. So they are attracted to the vinegar, the fruit flies, and they will attempt to land on its surface. Uh, because you got a little bit of soap in there, they they, they fall right yeah. down. They, there's no um, the the because water is exactly mm. the viscosity changes in the presence of soap, so that they fall right in and then they I'm drown. I'm surprised to myself that I even remembered that word. Good word, viscosity. <laughs> I like that. Uh, hey Emma in wait, Bolton. Wait, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I, one You're more thing. Else here? Okay. One more thing because we were just uh, Cheryl had called about her African violets and she sat, it sounded like she had eggs on oh, the violets. Yes. I don't think those are eggs. Mealybugs, it's a mealybug day because Lorraine called earlier about mealybugs. Uh, African violets are susceptible to mealybugs, and they could look like a little grain of rice, but yeah, it's actually an insect. It's not an egg. Great website here, if this helps Cheryl. Call it, It's just www.reedsgreenhouse.com. So R-E-E-D-S, reedsgreenhouse.com. And, uh, and we will um, be able to... Uh, Go there. There's some great photographs, and that will help you. Some close-ups, and you can double-check that that was your problem. And, um, yeah, there we are. Okay. So Julia is our next caller here. Uh, I think it's—oh, is it Julia? Yes, oh, it okay. is. Oh, Amber is right. Julia, good morning. Welcome. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good Enjoy morning. Show. Thank you. Um, I have a pear tree mm-hmm. that uh, has been on the property for many, many years. I've never sprayed it mm-hmm. or anything. I get good pears off it. I eat them, and my neighbors eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I notice is uh, there's now, I guess it's got some kind of a disease or something. On the leaves, there's like little orangey-yellow spots. Mm-hmm. And when I turn the leaf over on the underside, it's like these little spore things are mm-hmm. sticking out that are about a quarter inch. So I'm just wondering... Can I eat the pears? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even they won't hurt you. There is what some... can I spray it with? Like, can I spray it and what, what with? Well, there is a rust that, that can be a real problem on pears. So um, because one of the best ways to control fungal diseases is with dormant spray. So dormant spray is something that we usually think of for use in the spring. It's yep. horticultural oil and lime sulfur mixed together with water and sprayed onto the dormant plants. So I do this in the spring before the before the leaves or any growth starts coming out? Correct. Okay. You can also use dormant spray in the fall. Okay. But the plants have to be dormant. And this year, because we've had these, this extended warm weather, the trees are not dormant yet. They still are holding on to their leaves. So you do not spray any dormant spray on any plants until the leaves have dropped. And remember as well, you must be a, um, a master of good garden hygiene because it's very important that those leaves not be left on the ground where those spores can reinfect the tree next spring. So it's really important that you rake up and bag and remove all the leaves from the property and then do do the plan, the dormant spray for and and there's certain environmental conditions in the spring. Like I said, the tree is still dormant. Temperatures must be above zero. Wind speed must be extremely low and there should be no rain in the forecast for at least 24 hours. And and do I have to spray like the whole tree? Yeah, you do. 
because the spores will be on the bark. Okay. So, yes, you do. And if, if it's a very big tree, I know that can be challenging. But... No, it's actually, it, it's probably um, would be manageable. I can cut off some of the top branches, but I should be able to be okay with a ladder out there. Okay. Well, and remember, the pruning on fruit trees happens in late winter. So you'd be pruning in February, March, and you'll be dormant spraying in March or April. But if I wanted to do it now... Then wait till all those leaves drop. Wait yeah. till we get, you know, to, the plants are truly dormant. And then make sure the temperatures are above zero. There's no rain, no wind. And you could still spray, but I would not do any pruning right now. Okay. 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 All, all right. right. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much for calling in to The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. We'll be bolting along to Bolton in just a couple of moments to say hi to Emma here on The Garden Show on Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And out to Bolton we go. There is Emma. Good morning, Emma. Welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. Morning. Don't really have a question, but I got a couple of tips. Are we allowed one or two? Yeah. Oh, for, oh, you're allowed all the tips you want. You yeah, just yeah. go give, for it. Give them to us. <laughs> Doing the calla lilies. Mm-hmm. All I do is wrap mine in a newspaper, about four or five bulbs, mm-hmm. uh, and I have a whole bunch, and I put them in a box, paper box, a cardboard box. Oh, yeah. in the cellar. I've been doing that for years, and they all survive. And your cellar's so no need co- for peat moss. Right. Okay. And your car, your uh, cellar is cool. Uh, partly in celery. I got a lot in my garden. What I do, I when I pick it, I ch- uh, wash it, let it dry overnight, spread on the table, mm-hmm. chop it up in the morning, and put it in a, a zipper bag mm-hmm. in my freezer, and it's delicious in soups. And oh, soups. that's a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Wow, you grow you a lot of celery. A bag it, you know, like the whole uh, stem, mm-hmm. uh, and then chop it as you, know, as you, you know, take it out of the freezer. But I like to have mine chopped nicely, and then use it and it stays green like as long as it's dry when you put it in bag yeah. stays yeah, nice and green, green that's and what shirley does too yeah. makes soup and all yeah. that sort of stuff with it right because once it thaws it's mushy oh, that's mm-hmm. great and celery's not easy to grow that's good for you oh well i, I do the leaves and they're they're delicious and cooking oh no yeah. it's very easy to grow well you know you find unless you want it blanched which i don't bother oh, okay all right just in cooking do you, do you ever do you tie it up or do no, you just I don't bother. It... I'm going to try next year, actually. Yeah, because yeah, it tends to open, yeah. right? Uh, no, or... this doesn't open at all. It glows nicely up, but, it, you know, it doesn't stay green. Uh, okay. Huh. Uh, I mean, it doesn't stay uh, light. Pale, yeah, it gets no. quite dark and tough, but great for cooking. Wow, so good tips. Thank you. Thanks, Emma. Yeah, so calla lilies, don't worry about the peat moss. Just make sure it's, that's the dark part. So yep. wrapping in a newspaper provides dark, cardboard box, cool location like a basement. And there you are. Okay. Out to Oshawa, there's John. Good morning, John. Welcome yeah, to the came, show. I, I came back for an encore. Hey, yes, you did. <laughs> and we're still talking uh, about your calla lilies. Regarding those uh, cow lilies, uh-huh. there's a, what came up to the center, and it's, uh, it's higher than the rest of the plant, and it looks like, um, uh, like little seeds. What, do I cut that off, or what, what is that? Uh, it, it's probably it did flower, and that's, the fla- that's what's left from the flower stem. And, of course, the whole point of a flower is to, pr- is to create seeds. So that's why you know, plants do make flowers, is they, they want to 
you know, prolong their genetics. Unless you're planning on planting those seeds, yes, I would just cut that off and compost it. Now, when, when would I do that? When I do the rest of the plants and when it's after a good frost? You can take that flower stem down anytime you want, but don't oh, take okay, the leaves down fine. until they've been frosted. Yeah, okay. okay. Thank you very much. I'm sorry bothering you again. Oh, no, not at all. Hey, this is a fun show. We're going round and round on your question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. All righty, John. Thank you. Uh, there's Joy in Toronto, which I think will probably be our final question of the day. But hello and welcome to the show, Joy. Hello. Good morning. You started with hostas, and I think you're finishing with hostas. There you I've go. Got two <laughs> extremely large ones. They seem to be impervious to the bugs, which mm-hmm. is rather nice. Mm-hmm. I'd like to divide them. I'm, I'm wondering if it's too late this year or whether I need to do it in spring. And do I have to um, cut around in a circular motion, or do they naturally grow that way? Oh, great questions. Uh, okay. No, it's not too late. Okay. You could still, I mean, we've had such a mild fall. Normally, we would say, oh, October 14th is kind of pushing it. But you're in Toronto. The soil is still very nice and warm because we've had so much warm weather. Uh, and that's always the trick. As soon as soil, well, air temperatures and then soil temperatures start dropping too low, plants stop growing and go dormant. Right. But because of this prolonged warmth, we do have this nice warm soil. So what you could do if you wanted to split these hosta, you know, divide the hostas, Go out there with a digging fork or a nice sharp shovel. you got to cut off all the leaves and then dig the whole mess up out of the ground. Sharp knife or sharp shovel, and you saw that big clump into pieces. Um, so sometimes I, I will just use, like, literally a, a saw or, you know, big, uh, big, big knife of one kind or another. Saw the clump all up, and you're right. It will ultimately become a circle when you first give it to somebody or replant it, the chunk will be maybe in the shape of a pie or, you know, an oblong or whatever shape that clump is. Right. It'll look like it's going to look like that for a little while, but you'll see by July next year, it'll be around. It'll oh, grow in around. Great. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. You're Thank very you, Joy. welcome. Thank you know, thanks for calling. All righty. Have yourself a wonderful weekend and uh, keep it tuned where it is right now, AM 740. Uh, yeah, do we have time know. for maybe one more um, email? Email. Um, You've got we a do. batch of them. They're okay. We do, we do. Actually, it's an interesting one. Um, this is a person who sent in a note. Her name is Alicia Buffalo. And she sent in a, a note and a photograph. I showed you this. Oh, and you were like, yes. what is that? Um, Alicia says she's new to the show, but her sister's an avid listener. Her question has to do with mulch. She sent the picture of what looks like a mass of roots. It's like a fibrous mass of roots. And she says, it appears that my mulch has turned into a thick fibrous mat and has not allowed my plants to spread out. It makes planting difficult. Is there mulch that won't do this? Uh, yes, there is. Um, she, she mentions, I'm afraid to put in put any more down in my newly tilled garden for fear of the same thing happening. Your help is appreciated. So well, I wonder where she got this so-called mulch from, because that just looks like a, mm-hmm. a fibrous mass of roots that might have come out of the newly tilled garden. Like sometimes, like, you know, you go in there and you're tilling and tree roots, maybe there was a tree from the past yeah. that was there. Tree is gone, but all these roots are still in there. Tilling brings all these roots to the surface. It's you got to rake all that out. That's that is not mulch. That is uh, it's organic, so it's yeah, not. Yeah. You don't need to get rid of it. You can compost it, but it it's not going to really provide what mulch can provide.
provide. And real mulch right. provides, you know, uh, weed control, moisture control, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looks nice, smells nice, and will slowly decompose. These, these fibrous root masses need to actually be raked right out, and a proper mulch needs to go down. And best way to buy that is in a bag, uh, you know, Home Depot, whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or a garden center. Or if you have a huge garden, get a truckload brought in from a good garden center that does delivery. And I'm, Alicia doesn't say where she lives, so I'm not sure. But there, you know, there's all kinds of great suppliers of uh, that will bring in a big truckload of whatever you need. Okay, and all there right. you go. And you know what? That's it for the show. It My is. Golly, but you're here for a while. Go, huh? You're back. Yeah, I'm back. After at 1 I o'clock. buy you some toast and water. That's <laughs> dry toast. <laughs> And water. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> have a wonderful weekend, you folks out there, and you yes, too, Charlie. Indeed. Thank you very much. I plan to, and you have a real good show this afternoon. And um, thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do any of this without his help. Absolutely. And thanks to all our great callers today. Just all everybody was listening and, and sharing tips, which is one of the best things that gardeners do. Friendliest people anywhere. See you all. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.